First thing, the departed brother, the mask. <laughs> uh, let me explain what's going on tonight. <clears throat> if you turn to Isaiah 53 uh, and just stay there, <clears throat> because there's no way that you'll be able to follow me tonight. I've got five pages of verses printed out, and I'm just going to read them one after another. All right, now, <clears throat> what I've done is uh, I was generous with my wife, for a change, <clears throat> and I bought her a necklace for Christmas of a cross uh, that had all diamonds across it. But I had it specially made because I had them pull five of those diamonds out and put rubies in their place. I was explaining all of this <clears throat> uh, to Andy and Katie when we were up there visiting them. And I said, I really want to have a sermon uh, for this uh, and use this as a, as a background. And uh, I'd like a PowerPoint presentation uh, of it. <clears throat> and so I was going to ask at least to do it. <laughs> and uh, Joseph piped up and he said, Grandpa, I can do that. And so this PowerPoint presentation that will go along with the message uh, was done by my grandson Joseph, uh, who's 13, uh, which I couldn't even begin to do what he did with it. And so uh, <clears throat> what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go straight through this. I'm not going to make too many side comments. I'll let the scriptures speak to us tonight. The title of the message tonight is, He Was Wounded for Our Transgressions. It comes from Isaiah 53 and verse 5. <clears throat> the first part of the verse says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. <clears throat> he was wounded uh, actually five times or in five places. Uh, the first of which was his head. When you think about the head, Within the head resides our mind. With our mind, hopefully most of us, use it to think with. And so I want us tonight to, to look at the fact that he was, his head was wounded for our thoughts. Our thoughts. In other words, what and how we think. He was wounded for that. What we're going to describe tonight in all of these points is the unregenerate man in all of these aspects. What is the mind, the thinking of an unregenerate person? How would we describe that? Genesis 6 and verse 5. And by the way, <clears throat> let me just say, Sam has a copy of these. Okay? So if you want a copy, then I guess the church can... Uh, can make some copies for for you of that. Thank you. Uh, and you can have these uh, at your disposal. So you don't have to frantically write things down. You can just listen. Genesis 6, 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Proverbs 15, verse 26 the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination unto the Lord. Isaiah 59, verse 7. Their thoughts 
Our thoughts of iniquity, wasting, and destruction are in their paths. Psalm 94 and verse 11. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of a man, uh, that they are vanity. So this is a pretty <laughs> terrible description, isn't it? It's, it's abominable, evil, iniquitous, vain. Jeremiah 4 and verse 14. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 20. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. And you think, well, wait a minute. Uh, a wise person is not supposed to have vain thoughts. This is a description of the carnal man in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. And it's describing his wisdom. The wisdom of a carnal man is vanity. It's vain. Uh, Philippians 3 and verse 19. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. They don't pay attention to heavenly things. Every thought that they have, the unregenerate person, is right here. With the, with the now and now. Uh, <clears throat> Colossians 1 and verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. And so this is a description of our thoughts being alienated from God because we're enemies. When the unregenerate man is an enemy of God in his thinking. Romans 1 and verse 28. And even as they did not uh, like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Psalm 10 verse 4. The wicked through pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. In fact, God's not in any of his thoughts as an unregenerate man. Mark 5 and verse 15. They come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Why? Because as an unregenerate man, his mind was anything but right. His thinking was skewed. It was wrong thinking. But when he met Jesus, it all turned around. Folks, when an unregenerate person finds Jesus Christ as their Savior, their thinking changes. And they're in their right mind. Isaiah 57, uh, 55 and verses 7 through 9. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. He will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So unregenerate man can't understand God. He, he, he's, he's far superior in thinking than we are in our natural state. Romans 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The reason we need to transform our thinking is because it is wrong thinking. It is the thinking of this world, and we need that transformed, and the only way that happens is by the renewing of our mind, and the only way that can happen is as we uh, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in our lives as our personal Savior, and then he begins to renew our thinking. And that's repeated in Ephesians 4 and verse 23, states it this way, and, being, uh, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then uh, one last verse in this section, Philippians 2 and verse 5 challenges us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus, when he hung on the cross, was afflicted. He was wounded in his head. How? Actually, twice. The crown of thorns, and they plucked out his beard. He did that for our thinking, our skewed thinking through things. Not only was he wounded in his head, but his hands were wounded. They were wounded for our deeds, for what we do. Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 8. You shall not do after all the things that we do here to this day. Every man, and this is what they did, every man, every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. Don't do that. That's what everybody does. Did you ever hear that expression? Well, everybody else is doing it. Okay, that's wrong thinking, and uh, it produces uh, the wrong works, the wrong deeds. He ends up doing what's on his mind. Uh, Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So the eyes and the mind, the eyes are, are gateway to the mind, and as we see things, we follow that. We do what we see. That's repeated again in Judges 21 and verse 25. Exodus 23 and verse 24. <clears throat> Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And so they, they do the works of these gods that they follow. And there are numerous gods in this world. And they just do what they're told. And so when we, when we look at people, we think, wow, how could he do that? Well, he does it because he's following the God that he's following, whatever God that might be. And it's not good. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 22 and verse 17 because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, <clears throat> that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath uh, shall be kindled against them in, uh, against this place and shall not be quenched. And so <clears throat> this verse tells us that the works of our hands provoke God to anger. Why? Because they're against what he says to do. 
Uh, Psalm 14, verse 1, fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works, and there is none that doeth good. So we're speaking again of the unregenerate man does not do things that are amiable. In fact, they're abominable. Psalm 106, verse 39. Thus were they defiled with their own works and went a-whoring with their own inventions. Uh, Psalm 141 and verse 4. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let let me not eat of their dainties. So here the psalmist is crying out, don't let me practice those things that, that others are doing that unregenerate people are doing. Uh, Isaiah 59, verse 6, Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall, they co- <clears throat> neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. You don't have to go very far before you experience that, do you? Just turn the television on, and there it is, right there. Uh, even being portrayed by Hollywood. And they wonder why people do these crazy things that they do. They watch too much television. That's why they do it. You fill your mind with that garbage, and that's what you do. Uh, Jeremiah 25 and verse 7. Yet ye have not hearkened unto me, saith the Lord, that ye might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. Romans 1 verse 28 through 32, which is the end of the chapter. And even as they did not like to retain God in their, in their knowledge, okay, so the mind, they don't want to know about it. They don't want to know about God. And God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. What are those things that aren't convenient? Well, it goes on. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, this this is remarkable, they know they're going to be judged for these things, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Misery loves company. Galatians 5 verse 19 describes for us the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Uh, By the way, the word witchcraft there in the Greek is is the word we get pharmacy from. I'll let you think on that one for a while with what we're experiencing uh, at the moment. Uh, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, uh, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. In other words, there's more. He's not going to list them all. Of, of the which I tell you before as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Isaiah 65, verse 12. Therefore will I number you with, to the sword, 
and ye shall all bow down to the slaughter. Uh, Because when I called, ye did not answer. When I spake, ye did not hear, but did evil before mine eyes, and did choose that wherein I delighted not. Titus chapter 1, verse 16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Jesus asks this question in Luke 6 and verse 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I say? And so the world does things that are against God, that are contrary to God, that are wicked, they're abominable, but they only do what they think. Okay, do you ever hear somebody say, uh, when they've done something, oh, wow, where'd that come from? It comes from, you, you thought about it. That's where it came from. And they like to blame everybody under the sun except themselves. The problem's within. Within are all of these vile things. And Christ on the cross, with his outstretched arms, was wounded for the things we did as an unregenerate person and continues to cover us for things we do wrong now. That's what he did on the cross for us as he was wounded. Well, his feet were also wounded. They were wounded for our walk, for where we go. So where do we go? Uh, there's one thing for sure, that if you go to a wrong place, you're going to be in trouble. But if you avoid that wrong place, you'll save yourselves a lot of headaches. Uh, It's one of the hardest things to teach children, is if you don't go there, you won't get in trouble. Stay away from there. And so he was wounded for the places that we go. Isaiah 59, verse 7 Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. This is uh, repeated somewhat in Proverbs 1, verse 15 and 16, where it says, My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Uh, Psalm 119 and verse 59. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. That's a good thing. What is repentance? We're going one way and we turn our feet. We turn our mind. We turn everything away from that and we head toward God. Uh, That's repentance, by the way. Uh, uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 8 and verse 11. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. Okay, so what does God say about the way the world goes, where they go, the places they frequent? He says, don't go there. Don't go there. 
It's not a good place. Isaiah 30, verses 1 and 2. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, not of me, and that cover uh, with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they might add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust uh, in the shadow of Egypt. Uh, Somebody comes to the Lord and uh, straight away they seem to be tempted to go back to the world. In fact, that's, that's what is par for the course. There in the, in the wilderness, they were tempted to go back to Egypt. Why? They were just delivered from all of that stuff. Why go back? They began to be comfortable even in that situation. And we begin to get comfortable in our lives with the world and the ways of the world and the places that the world goes. And, and there's this, this craving to go back there all the time. And we need to just say, no, not going back there. Jesus was wounded for that so that I wouldn't go back there. Jeremiah 13, verse 10. This evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, shall even be as this girdle, which is good for nothing. The things of this world are good for nothing. So why are we tempted so often to go back to it? Jeremiah 14 and verse 10. Thus saith the Lord unto this people, "Thus Thus have they loved to wander. Uh, uh, they have not refrained their feet therefore the Lord doth not accept them he will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins they love to wander this world wanders from this evil to that evil to whatever they have no direction whatsoever the unregenerate and we're to avoid that but that's a description of it and that's What Jesus was wounded for, the going astray, the wandering around in darkness. Jeremiah 16 and verse 12. And ye have done worse than your fathers, for behold, ye walk every one after the imagination of his evil heart, that they may not hearken unto me. Jeremiah 18 verse 12. And they said, there is no hope. But we will walk after our own devices, and we will every, every one do the imagination of his evil heart. <clears throat> uh, Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. 
<clears throat> Be careful with where you go. Ephesians 5 and verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The implication of this verse, the opposite of it, is they weren't walking circumspectly. The unregenerate don't walk that way. What is circumspect? What does that mean? Most people say it means uprightness. Uh, <clears throat> literally what it means is walking, observing everything around you so that you're not going to go to those bad places. You're not going to get involved in those wrong activities. That's what circumspect is. And our walk should be that way, but an unregenerate person does not walk that way. He's not paying attention to the pitfalls that he's ready to walk into. Proverbs 4 and verse 26 says, Ponder the path of thy feet. Think about it. Think before you go there. And let uh, all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy feet from evil. Just get away from it. Run as fast as you can. That's what Joseph did, isn't it? When Potiphar's wife went after him, as the song goes, he put his running shoes on and got out of town. Okay, He fled the situation, and that's what we need to do, but the world doesn't. Uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse 79, this is Simeon speaking and giving a prophecy of this newborn child. And he says, of him that he is to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Implication, before we come to Christ, we don't have peace. We're not being guided into ways of peace. John 8 and verse 12. <clears throat> then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The world walks in darkness. Do you ever walk in darkness? Um, <clears throat> my wife is very frugal. And so we don't have very many lights on in the house. And woe be to me if I ever walk through the house and she's rearranged the furniture. <laughs> Uh, it's not good, okay? Uh, that's the way the world is. They walk in darkness. They have no idea where they're going. Jesus died for that. Romans 8 and verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The regenerate person walks after the Spirit, or should walk after the Spirit. The unregenerate man walks in darkness, tripping, stumbling, bumbling through life, not having any direction in his life. Romans 6 and verse 4, the last part of the verse, says, Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Get rid of the old life. The unregenerate man is walking in the old man life. And so we have... Uh, three wounds that we've covered thus far. And Isaac Watts captured these three wounds in a hymn. He says, uh, I think this is verse 3 of the hymn, 
see from his head, his hands, his feet. Jesus was wounded in all of those places for our transgressions in all of those areas. But Isaac Watts didn't stop there. He continued, sorrow and love flow mingled down. This speaks of another wound that he bore for us. And that wound was in his side. His side was wounded for our heart. What we feel, our emotions, our passions. As an unregenerate person, they weren't very kind and they weren't very nice. Our emotions liked to gain control over us, especially control over our minds. And Jeremiah said in chapter 17 and verse 9, you're familiar with this verse, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The answer, the only one that can know it, is God. And he knows it really well. Numbers chapter 15, verse 39. And it shall be unto you for a fringe. This is like the phylacteries. It was a ribbon that they sewed around their garment, around their robe. That ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that ye seek not after your own heart uh, and your own eyes, after, <clears throat> after which ye use to go a-whoring. Uh, so here he's saying... Put, put these, these garments on that they might remind you that your feelings aren't in charge. Our feelings aren't in charge. God should be in charge of our lives. Genesis chapter 27 and verse 41 says, And Esau hated Jacob. He hated him. Why did he hate him? What was the problem? And, and later on in the verse, same verse, it says, uh, he said, uh, after my father is gone, then, then I'll be able to get to my brother and I'll slay him. His hatred was so intense that his feelings overtook him and that hatred, which is a feeling, by the way, his feelings were, I'm going to slay him. I'm just going to get, I'm going to knock him off. The unregenerate man is out of control because his feelings get in the way of common sense. Leviticus 19, verse 17. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt, not, uh, thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor not, and not suffer sin upon him. <clears throat> thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Here we find that hatred, hatred's actually, it, it starts with a grudge. And then it moves on to the desire to avenge or revenge uh, against that person. And then that hatred builds up, and the end result 
is murder. So best that we nip those grudges. Don't let them start. You start feeling that resentment towards someone, snap it off right then. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 44. The king said moreover to Shimei, uh, Thou knowest all the wickedness which is in thine heart that, it's, that, you're privy, that your heart is privy to, that thou didst to David my father, therefore the Lord shall return thy wickedness upon thine own head. And so he says, you, under, you understand why you do those things. You feel like doing it, so you do it. Not good. Second Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 16. This is speaking of Uzziah. It says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. And he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Uzziah knew that he did not have permission to go into the temple. That was not his place. But his feelings took over, and he said, well, what could be wrong with it? What's the problem? I can do it. I'm not going to get hurt. And he allowed his feelings to take over. Psalm 10, verse 3. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. Verse 6 of that same psalm. Uh, he, that, uh, he hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. Verse 11. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten in his face. He will never see it. Verse 13. Wherefore doth the wicked contemn God? He saith in his heart, Thou wilt not require it. Do you see what he's saying? It's three times he says in his heart. His feelings took over. His emotions took over. And he said, Look, I'm not going to be held accountable for this. God's going to turn a blind eye to this. The unfortunate and sad thing is God does not turn a blind eye to, to sin. He deals with it. And, it. and it can be dealt with. If we trust Christ, it's dealt with at the cross. Jesus was wounded for those. Jeremiah 48 and verse 29. <clears throat> we have heard the pride of Moab. He is exceeding proud. In fact, his loftiness and his arrogancy, his pride... The haughtiness of his heart. Pride is an emotion. And pride, when it takes over control, uh, wrecks our lives. Jeremiah 5, verse 23. But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are, rev they are revolted and gone. <clears throat> Isaiah 59, and verse 13. In transgressing and lying against the Lord... And departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Ezekiel 33, verse 31. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, 
but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. So they wanted they want to do one thing and, and they end up doing something totally different because their feelings get in the way. Ezekiel fourteen verse third uh, verse three. Uh, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put a stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired at all by them? Answer no. Why should I pay attention to them? They're going after their own idols that they've set up in their heart. Their feelings. Proverbs chapter 20, uh, 28 and verse 26. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. This coming from the wisest man other than Jesus ever to live on the face of this planet. And he says, if you trust in your own heart, if you trust your feelings, you're a fool. Romans 1 and verse 21. Because that when they knew not God, uh, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So they really don't have a choice, do they? Job 15, verse 12. Job asks this question Why doth thine heart carry thee away? Our feelings will carry us where we don't want to go. They'll involve us in things that we really would rather stay away from. So don't chase our feelings is the implication there. Matthew 15, verse 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, on and on we could list. First Samuel chapter 16 is a warning to us as it was to Samuel when he was choosing the first king. It says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance. Don't look at what appears to be. Because anybody can put on a facade. That's what hypocrites are. They put on a facade. Or on the height of his stature. Because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. God sees our feelings. He knows what what, uh, trouble lies within our feelings. Hebrews 3 and verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Our feelings are where our unbelief begins, really, in our heart. Well, there's a remedy for that. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of both soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, uh, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's a discerner of our feelings. 
It will expose them for what they are. The Word of God does that. Verse 14 of the same chapter says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Did Christ have feelings? Yes, he did. But he never succumbed to those feelings. He always did the Father's will. So we have four wounds that Christ suffered. In his head, his hands, his feet, and his side. But there's one wound which cannot be seen from the front. It's the back. His back was wounded for our burdens. The back is is for carrying things. It's where strength is. Now we can go back to the passage that we read, or that Bernie read for us in Isaiah 53. Bet you thought we'd never get back there. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He's got big shoulders. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, the stripes that he suffered on his back, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the burden. What was the burden? The iniquity of us all. His back was wounded for our iniquities, for our burdens, for our griefs, for our sorrows. He bore those stripes for us. Psalm 38 and verse 4. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head. That's an understatement, isn't it? As an heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. Our burdens were too heavy to carry. We couldn't do anything to change the situation. But Jesus took upon himself all of my burden, all of your burden, as he suffered, as he was wounded in his back. Psalm 55 and verse 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. So we need to cast that burden on him. He was wounded for our burdens. 
Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You're burdened down. He says, Come, and I will give you rest because he will take that burden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You yoke up two oxen, and they pull pretty good. But we're not linking up an oxen with an oxen. We're the weaker, and the oxen will do all the pulling. So Christ suffered for us, Five wounds on the cross. Five is the number of grace. And Ephesians tells us we're saved by grace through faith. It has nothing to do with us, not of ourselves. But salvation is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He was the diamond on the cross. Who suffered, uh, who was afflicted uh, with five ruby red wounds in our place. And if we will yield to him, we would be under a, his protective umbrella. We are safe in him who loved us and gave himself for us. Praise his name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son to be wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded in his head because our thinking was not right. He was wounded in his hands because our doings were not right. He was wounded in his feet because where we go, was not right. He was wounded in his side because our heart is not right. He was wounded on his back to take our burdens, the iniquity, the sin that we deserved to be punished for. He was wounded for us. Lord, help us to appreciate that. And help us to tell others how they can apply the wounds of Jesus upon the cross that they might have rest and peace, that they might live in the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.